0: Amen aren't you thankful for that? I am too. I want to say we want to pray for the Durham family Miss Marsha they have found out this morning they've had a cousin to pass away and so I wanted you to pray for Miss Marsha and her whole family and uh, let's pray that God would comfort them in a very 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 special way. Uh, I don't know about you but you know children are precious aren't they and uh, I was just sitting up here watching and i seen three little girls, well, I wouldn't say three little girls, two of them are older, but there were two little girls and an older young lady here, and that touched my heart, you helping them find that page in that songbook. And uh, they were all trying to sing, and that was encouraging me. And then some of them, boy, they're dressing up for church today. I'm telling you right now. And, uh, but I love and appreciate all of you children that are here. And I want you to know the best days, of, well, they're all over there, but children the best days of your life when you're a child. And it's kind of funny because we want to get through that real quick and begin, become an adult. And then when we're an adult, we wish we could go back to be a child. Amen? And so, uh, but anyway, we appreciate love all of you. Would you open your uh, Bible this morning uh, to the book of Genesis? And I want to spend just a few minutes here uh, just by um, kind of talking a little bit. Getting us where we need to be. If you was to be reading through the book of Genesis and... Um, You were reading the story of Joseph. That's where we're going to be looking today. I'm going to get you caught up to chapter 44, Genesis chapter 44. If you would be reading through the book of Genesis, and by the way, the book of Genesis, the word Genesis actually means the book, it's the beginnings. Uh, Everything begins in the book of Genesis, so it's considered the book of beginnings. Uh, A lot of what we would call the law of first mention would be found in the book of Genesis the first time that it was ever mentioned. Of course, the gospel was mentioned first in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3.15, where God said, I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, speaking of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you read through this book, this is a probably, you will not find, a more moving, touching event. Now, you know that in... We're introduced to a man by the name of Joseph in the book of Genesis, and we know what happens there. We know that we're introduced to him by having dreams. He had dreams that his brothers were going to bow down to him one day. Well, the brothers of Joseph were already jealous of him because he was a son of another mother, and they were jealous of him. And so there was strife between the family of all the boys, of course, um, all of Joseph's brothers so you know what happens uh, they he goes to check on his brothers and something inconceivable happens how family how blood would even contemplate on killing their own brother their own flesh and blood and during this time they are talking about what they're going to do with him. And of course, Judah speaks up and says, Look, let's not kill him. He's our flesh, but let's get rid of it." So you know what they do. They put him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. Well, the dreams are long forgotten. And many years have gone by. And Joseph has lived a life, to be quite honest, I'm sure he woke up many times, many, many times, Whether it be in Potiphar's house or whether it be in prison, that he thought, What in the world did I do to have all of these things to befall me? And here's what's amazing Joseph didn't do anything. Yet God had a plan for him. So we know that through that, he was sold into slavery. He went to Egypt. He was put in Potiphar's house. He became a slave. Potiphar's wife lied about him he was put into prison he was forgotten in prison and while he was there he was able to interpret dreams and because of one of the dreams he interpreted he was able to be released because he was able to interpret the dream of pharaoh and so god gave favor on joseph because when pharaoh realized that he could interpret the dream of the famine he told joseph i want you to take charge of all of that and the most powerful man of the then known world told Joseph that he was going to only be under him. No, He had to listen to no one else but to Pharaoh. The second most powerful man in the then known world. Now think about it. A little old Jewish boy that was sold into slavery, taken by his brothers, wanted to be killed. Now we find him in a place of power. That's stuff you don't even dream about. That's stuff that only we read about in stories and in books. But it's true. These dreams have been long forgotten. But you'll notice in chapter number 42 of Genesis. Oh, lo and behold, the dreams that Joseph had came true. And there's nothing more touching. We can't read all of it. I want to read all of it. I want to read from chapter 42 all the way through chapter 44, but I'm not going to. We're going to read in chapter 44. But we read here in chapter 42, this is the first time that the famine is so great, the brothers have to go. And the father sends ten of the boys because one of the boys, Benjamin, is Joseph's brother, the one from the, the same mother, and he's not going to let him go. Now remember, all these years, the father of these boys has been hurting because he's been told by his sons that his son that he loved, Joseph, has been killed by an evil beast. Now we know that Joseph's alive. So I want you to think about this. All of the deception, all of the lies, all of the things that's been taking place here. But then we find in chapter 42... These boys show up at Pharaoh to buy some food and lo and behold who do they bow down to their own brother and the Bible says he they did not know him but he knew them and he said he was so full of emotion in chapter 42 that he had to hide his face he had to go away and the Bible said he wept aloud Can you imagine Joseph looking at the same brothers, his own flesh and blood, that had sold him into slavery, that had done all of that hurt to him. And the Bible says he spoke roughly to them the first visit. He also accused them of spies, but he had a plan. So he kept Simeon in ward and said, if you don't bring your other younger brother back... I'm going to keep him. We're going to prove that you're not spies. And so, of course, when he goes back, the boys go back to Jacob. They go back to their father and they tell him that they've kept Simeon. Then the Bible says the famine grew so great, Jacob wasn't going to give Benjamin up. He said, he's not going. There's no way I'm going to let him go. But the famine got so great, they ran out of corn. And so in chapter number 43, we find that all of the boys go back, including Benjamin, and one of the most moving scenes, the Bible says, when these boys, these brothers showed up, he seen Benjamin, his long lost brother. And I want you to notice in chapter 43, verse 30, here's what the Bible says. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there and he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said set on bread. Now listen, when he first seen his brothers the Bible said he wept so loud that even Pharaoh's chamber heard him weeping. Here's the second most powerful man in the whole then known world and he's so moved because he's seeing his brothers that had done these awful things to him, yet he still loved loved them. And the Bible will not share a more moving, touching scene than right here when Joseph laid eyes on Benjamin and he wanted to go and hug him. He wanted to go and reveal himself to him, but he had a plan. Not only did he not want to reveal himself to his brothers at that time, here's what's important about this, God had a plan. So let's pick up the story in chapter 44. You say, well, why didn't he reveal himself in chapter 43? Well, let's read in chapter 44. And he commanded the steward of his house saying, fill the men's socks with food as much as they can carry. Put every man's money in his socks mouth. Put my cup, the silver cup, <laughs> in the socks mouth of the youngest. And his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away. that They and their asses. They, when they were gone, cut out of the city and yet far off. Joseph said unto his steward, up, follow after the men. When thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he drinketh? Ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our sacks, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How when should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die. And we also will be my Lord's bondmen. And he said, now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sight to the ground, and opened every man his sight. And he searched, and began at the eldest, and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's (laughs) sight. Then they rent their clothes. You know why they rent their clothes? Because they knew this was going to kill their daddy. These ain't the same boys from just a few years before. Then they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. For he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not, that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, here it is, this is the text this morning. Judah, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servant. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in the peace unto your father. Then Judah Came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidst to thy servants, bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidst unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto the servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again, buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down for we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And the servant, my father said unto us, you know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me. And I said, surely he is torn in pieces. And I saw him not since. If you take this also for me. And mischief befall him. Ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servants, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that this life is bound up in this lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto thy father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. This is powerful stuff. If you're wondering why... Joseph did not reveal himself to his brothers in chapter number 43. I'm going to tell you why. Because God is working specifically in one man's life. And that man's life is Judah. Notice what Judah says in chapter 44 in verse number 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine, thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. In verse number earlier there in chapter 44, we realize that he told us in, told us in verse 16, uh, and Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? So here, I want you, I want you to understand. So here Judah knows everything that's went on. He knows that he and his brothers has caused this great harm to his father. He knows that he's caused this great sorrow because they are the ones that took the son, which their father loved, and took him and sold him into slavery. And see, God is doing something special here. By the way, God's working in all of the brother's life. But more importantly, I believe, I mean, completely working in the life of of Judah. You know why? Because you know what he said in verse 16. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, it's enough. I can't take no more. That's what he said. He said, Lord, I'm at a place. I've done all of this in my life. I've lied about my brother. We sold my brother into slavery. Now we're here. You're trying to take my another little brother. And uh, He said, look, I can't take it no more. Here's what he said. Lord, I surrender. It's amazing what it took to get him there the message is this have you had enough Judah have you had enough have you had enough tears have you had enough guilt have you had enough of your lying have you had enough that's what he's saying here's what he said I've had enough Lord I've been found out He said right here to this in verse 16. He said, Lord, what can I do? What can I say? The Lord has found out of my iniquity. And then you'll not see a more pleading, more precious, more tender pleading. He looks at the most powerful man of the world. And he says, look, I need to tell you my story. Joseph knew the story. But this is a changed man that was the same man that put his brother in a pit. It's not the same man. Something happened in this man's life. God was working in his life. And that's the whole point. See, God does not violate our will. He does not violate our will. But God does deal with us in such a wonderful fashion. And we have the opportunity to wave the white flag and say, Lord, I've had enough. That's how He works. He desires for us to surrender His will. To Him. He's not going to make us. But I'll tell you right now, He'll put the pressure on so hard. He'll put it down so deep. He'll put it down so steady that I'm telling you right now, Judas said, Lord, I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. I want you to think about this. This this tenderness of this story. Even that He put the personal silver cup in Benjamin's bag. Joseph knew. Joseph knew that Benjamin was his full brother. Benjamin knew how his father felt about Benjamin. Joseph knew. But he did all of this in the providence of God because God was working in all of the hearts of the brothers, but specifically, He was working in the heart of Judah. I'm going to look at this. We'll look at this today. But I want you to notice, just number one, as I think about this passage, have you had enough? This is something that I've learned in this passage. I've just looked at it. God, get it down now. Get it down in your heart. God deals with individuals. God deals with individuals. Yes, there's no doubt. I want you to notice that God deals with individuals. Here was a family of 12 boys. And God was working in all of these boys, but they, we happen to be highlighted in on just Judah in this passage. Why? Because it's a great promise. It's a great principle that we know is that God deals with us individually. He was dealing with one of them, Judah. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you know the most dangerous thing in your life and in the Christian life and in your faith in the Lord, the most dangerous thing you can do is to try to hide in a crowd. Do you know what makes a message powerful? Do you know what makes something powerful? Do you know what really will change your life and my life? I'm going to tell you what. When it's personal. When it's personal. When you know that God has singled you out, and let me just say this: It's very painful. You know, none of us like conviction. None of us like to admit when we're wrong. None of us like to say, oh Lord, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. What we like to do is we like to hide in crowds, oh, I'm okay, I'm better than so and so. But here's what's amazing, God's deeper than that. He wants to deal with you personally. He knows you personally. He knows everything about you. He knows your insecurities. He knows your faults. He knows your sins. He knows your lies. He knows everything about you. And He uses those personal things just like He did here. Can you imagine as Judas sitting there as he's confessing his fault to the very man? He said, look, here's what's happened. My father had two boys from the same mother. One of them is gone. Did you notice what he said? And one is torn into pieces. He's even lying to the man that he knows is not torn into pieces. But in his heart, he knows he's guilty. Yet God is revealing all of this to him in this. And all of this. And this whole thing. Notice the drama. Notice how it's it just builds up. Joseph's like, you know, the first time they come, he said, I'm going to treat you like spies. He spoke rough to them. But did you notice, every time the brothers come to get food, he always put their money back in their sacks. These boys were confused. They didn't understand it. But Judah was starting to realize something. He said, look, we've done killed our father once. And here's what he said. He said, I want you to know something, Pharaoh. I want you to know something. You there, as far as he was concerned, he was like Pharaoh. He didn't know it was his brother. He said, I just want you to know something. Please take me, not my brother. That is not the same Judah that we found in chapter 38. What happened? God was working in His heart individually, personally. Can I ask you a question? You know what's going to change your life? When you quit hiding behind other people, when you quit talking about what good as far as the church. Do you know why? This church is not made up of a church. It's made up of individuals. And it will be no greater than how you let God deal with you personally. And the way God deals with me personally, Every young person here, you need to let realize this, God is wanting to work with you personally. Every little detail of your life has been constructed by God. Every detail, every what you think might be a coincidence. It is God trying to work in your heart in a personal way that you'll throw the white flag up and say, Lord, I've had enough. Just like Judah. God deals with individuals in a very personal way. Tailor made. I've never had a tailor made suit. I wear a 44. They normally fit just about right. But I've been told, oh, you got to go get a tailor made. They fit so well. But I'm going to be honest with you, whether having a tailor made suit or not, I'm going to tell you right now, whether we like it or not, God has a tailor made life for us. We might not like every stitch. We might not like every way the needle goes in. We might not even like every little thing about that tailor made life. But I want you to know something. God knows what he's doing, whether I understand it or not. And there's a lot of times I don't understand that God deals with individuals. Number two, God's ways are not our ways. That's what I learned about this. Yes, we could read chapter 55 of Isaiah. Verse 8, where the God God tells us that our ways are not his ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are higher, my thoughts are higher. We understand that, but we see this beautifully in this passage of scripture. There are many times I know what God is going to do, but I marvel to see how God does it. Think of this: God took one of Jacob's boys and made him a prince and from his loins <laughs> a tribe and from that tribe the lord jesus christ came from the tribe of say it, judah Judah the lion of the tribe of judah this brother out of all the boys This boy. I want you to notice what we think about here. I'm surprised who God uses. Our ways are not God's ways. If you went back with me in Genesis chapter 37, you're going to be introduced to real, the real character of Judah. In chapter 37, we're told that when Joseph came to check on his brothers, it was Judah that spoke up and said these words. His other brethren wanted to kill him. And Judah did step up, and we kind of think that he was kind of a hero. Because in chapter 37, Judah spoke up and said, wait a minute, boys. He's flesh of our flesh. In other words, he's our brother. We ought to think more of him than that, but we really don't. But I think a little more of him than to kill him. But here's what they said. Here's what they said. Let's get rid of him. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. How many of you have a brother and a sister? Would you raise your hand? Have you ever just thought I'd like to get rid of them? Don't answer that. Amen? You know what I mean. There's not one soul in this building that would want to do physical harm or to sell their brother or sister into slavery. At least I would hope not. That's evil. That's cruel. It's cruel. I want you to understand the depths of depravity here. Oh, he's our flesh. He's our brother. We're not going to kill him, but let's get rid of him. That's Judah. Let's get rid of him. Would you say to me, does that sound like an awful good person? Do you think that would be the man that God would choose for his seed to come through that tribe of that boy? It's not who we would pick, would it? Chapter 37 reveals to us he's our flesh, but let's make a slave out of him. That was Judah follow with me. You don't have to go there, but I'll say in chapter 38, Judah. Chapter 38. You know what happened in chapter 38? Judah has a child with his own daughter-in-law. Y'all hear me? He has a child with his own daughter-in-law. Y'all heard me? How many of you think that is an outstanding citizen. How many of you think that you would like to have that on your repertoire? How many of you would like to have that on your record? How many of you would like to know that that's a part of your life? He mistook her for a harlot. Judah. Y'all hear me? Y'all know Judah? Judah. The line of the tribe of Judah. The very same tribe that our Savior is going to come through Judah. Here's why I say all of that. My ways are not His ways. His way is not my way. I sometimes don't understand. Here's what's hard for me to say. Especially today. In spite of everything we think. God is able to work. God is still able to work. Number three. I've learned through this that God desires to bring us to a place of surrender. When we come to chapter 44 that we just read, we'll find a different man than the Judah that we read about in chapter 38. He's totally different. You know what we find? You know what we find in 44 different about Judah? In chapter 37, he was talking about how he wanted to get rid of his brother. In chapter 37, here's a man that had all the answers and he was making decisions for all of his brothers. We're going to get rid of this guy. We're going to get rid of our own flesh and blood. But in chapter 44, I want to tell you what we find. A different man than we find in chapter 37. The difference is that he's broken. You find a broken man. You know why I believe most Christians are not living the Christian life like they should be living the Christian life? You've never been broken. You've never been broken. You know why? We don't like to be broken. We fight it with everything we have. But the difference in this man is simply we find a broken man. God is doing one last thing in the life of Judah so that Judah will yield To the Lord. See here's what the whole application of this. God wants to bring us to a place. Where we're willing. And this is tough church. God wants to bring us to a place. Where we're willing to do whatever he desires. Whatever he desires. He's not going to force us. That's why my whole ministry life, I've I've never put people on guilt trips. I've just never done it. I can't force anybody here to do a thing. And if I had to do that, I'd quit. Christian's life's not about force. Christian life's not about force. Well, the preacher's making me do it. Well, if you're doing it because I'm making you doing it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. It ain't about force. God doesn't force anything. He's not going to force us. But I'm going to tell you something right now. But God wants us to be willing to yield to Him. He works on the will. And I've learned this. It's not always something that happens to you. It could be happening around you. And it could be happening to someone you know and you love dearly. But here's what happens. It's always because God's wanting to speak to you. And He wants to speak to me. God desires to bring us to a place of surrender. God's ways are not our ways. God deals with individuals. But last this morning, I've learned this through this. Our lives affect others. One of the most passionate, most tender things you'll ever read is a speech that Judah gives to his brother. When he said in verse 16 of chapter 44, he basically said, Lord, what can I say? What can we do? Our iniquities find us out. He said, can I please speak to you? And I'm telling you right now, he laid out his life story to him. But if you notice as he started to talk there in verse 18, all the way down, if you read that, as I read this morning, you'll find one thing all the way through it. The one person that he was worried about was his father. Because he knew, if none of the other brothers knew, he knew what he had done to his father. He had helped hurt his father. He says, now, if you take my younger brother, it will kill him. So Judah said, take me. Please, take me. Let Benjamin go. Let him go back to my father. Because if Benjamin don't go back to my father, my father's going to die. He's done told me. Because you don't know this. Of course, Joseph did know it. But what you don't know is me and my brothers have about killed my dad already because how and what we've done to him all these years. He basically pleaded. He begged Joseph not to take his little brother. This is not the same man that went back and lied to his father. Not the same man. He's not the same man. You know why? He had enough. You had enough. Enough. You had enough this morning? Not the say man. So well, I'll tell you right now, something changed in that man's life. But well, I'll tell you what, he loves the Lord. He's living for the Lord. Well, I'm going to guarantee you one thing. It always goes back to a place where they said, I can't do it no more. I've had enough. I'm waving the white flag. Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. I can't take it no more. I'm surrendering. Not the same man who went back to his dad and said, oh, an evil beast killed your son. Not the same man. Now, the same man that was willing to hurt his father, years before now, the same man is protecting his father. What happened? He had enough. What happened? God changed his heart. Can I ask you all a question? Has God really changed your heart? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Has God really changed your heart? Are you willing to do whatever he wants you to do? Are you yielded to him this morning? Really? You know what that means? That means you've got to get rid of some hard stuff. That doesn't mean that even the preacher has to tell you. You already know because the Lord's working in your heart and you're being sensitive to the Lord and you're saying yes to the Lord, not to the preacher. I wonder how much trouble and sorrow and pain comes into our lives and other people's lives because we just won't surrender. We just won't say, that's enough, Lord. It might take years, but it doesn't have to take years. It took years for Joseph. It took years for Judah. But it doesn't have to. God's desire is He wants to change your heart. Your life, my life affects other people. Let me just go ahead and put a little exclamation point down here. Your sin affects other people. Your decisions affects other people that are innocent. Your choices you make on a daily basis affects other people. Judah's decisions affected a whole country. Our lives affect others. I don't care who you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how how tall you are, how pretty you are, how handsome you are. It doesn't matter. Your life is affecting somebody. You understand? Judah affected and his brothers affected his father all their life because of a lie. The whole life. Jacob's whole life was affected because of the lie of his own sons. Now you think about that before you tell a story that's not true. You think about that before you embellish something. You think about that. When you're talking about down the road that you might not ever see. Because we have to understand this principle that we find in the book of Galatians. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And here's what's amazing. Judah just didn't reap what he sowed. His brother's lives was affected. His father's lives was affected. Our lives affect others. I don't know about you. That's a good, heavy responsibility that we all should carry. You want to know what that looks like in a very personal way? As this morning, as I look down here and see two little girls and another older young lady helping them open a songbook. And sing out of that songbook the gospel songs we have in our hymn books. God help us if we ever do anything to affect them. I don't understand it. But God's ways are not our ways. I would have never picked Judah where Jesus Christ would come from that tribe. But you know why I like that story right now? It's helped me. There ain't nobody too bad that he can't use. And I don't even like saying that right now. But it's true. Just because it doesn't make sense to me, doesn't mean that God's not working. I don't get on Facebook a lot, but I got on the other day and Brother Dallas Payton, I don't know, just, I'll read it for you. I want to quote it properly. I know what an age that we're in that we uh, can pull up quotes live during the service. But I think this will help you. A quote from Charles Spurgeon. God uses people who fail. Because there aren't any other kind around. Let's stand to our feet. head bowed and eyes closed. Can I ask you, let's be honest now. You had enough. I'm going to be honest. I think I've had enough. Just like I said there a little while ago, I think it's powerful and I hope you understand it. God's trying to work in our life. It could be happening to you, but normally it could be happening around you and to someone that you know and love. But at the same time, God's still speaking to you. As I was studying for this, and even trying to finish up this morning as I was at a place before I came here, I just said it out loud. It's me, Lord. (laughs) It's me. You're speaking to me. How many of you know that God loves you enough and you know He spoke to you in the past? How many of you are sensitive enough to know that He's wanting to speak to you right now? How many of you know He's spoken to you about something? Would you raise your hand? You're not ashamed of it? You know He's spoken to you about something? Well, what are you going to do about it? I know coming down here and praying to an altar... You know, it's not about just looks and, well, no, 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 no. It is is really an act of yielding. That's what that is about. It's yielding. You're, You're yielding to the Lord. He can speak to you, but if you don't yield, it means nothing. So how many of you would yield today? Whatever he spoke to you about, she's going to begin to play. Why don't you come down, find just a place at the altar. And why don't you say, Lord, have your way with me matter. Nobody else. Nobody else. Just you and the Lord. Want not speak to us. Yield to Him. what Judah said. He said, Lord, I, I surrender. It wasn't the same man. See when someone gets broken, you're not the same. You're not the same. You're not the same. You're not the same. Perfect, but you're not the same. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, there are times in our life that think that maybe there's even some circumstances that you cannot find in the Bible or an answer to that specific issue that maybe you're dealing with in your word. Lord, as long as I've lived, I always realize there's a principle or a promise or an event that you can help us right now today with. So, Lord, I pray that you'll take your word, minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray that there will be a bunch of Judas here today. Say, I've had enough, whatever that might mean. It might mean, I've had enough of just being a casual Christian, I'm Hey, Lord, I've had enough for not surrendering this. Or, Lord, I've had enough. I can't take any more. I've got to give more to you. I've got to do more for you. I've got to yield that to you. I've got to surrender. You've been working on me. Whatever it is. And, Lord, I love that you work in individuals' lives. Lord, I don't always understand them, but your ways are not my ways. And. Lord, we know that you're trying to bring us to a place of surrender. But Lord, we must realize that our lives affect other people. Help us now. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Listen, have a great Labor Day. How many of you are off tomorrow? Enjoy it. Don't do any labor. God bless you.